I want to get into the word of the Lord for the last several weeks. I've been talking about what I believe to be one of the most important principles in life that I've ever learned. My subject is position yourself. Position yourself. If there is a right position, it stands to reason there is a wrong one. There could be any number of wrong ones. And if you have to position yourself, it means that if you're waiting for somebody else to do it for you, it might not get done. The principle I'm talking about in this series is based upon a life truth that I think can help any person achieve their goals, both spiritually and materially, if it is applied correctly. Sometimes people say the problem with the church is they just deal with spiritual matters. That's not true. The principle I'm going to discuss today works very, very effectively in the material realm as well. And you can waste a lot of effort and time in the course of your life if you don't understand what the basic rules of life are. But it's amazing how many people do not understand those rules. For example, every single one of us want to have successful relationships, whether that's with friends or our family, right? And one of the foundational rules of good relationships that will succeed and thrive and be meaningful is you don't enter into those because... I love you so much because you make me feel so good. That's not what real love is. Real love is I love you so much, I want to make your life better. It's based on service. Okay, joke, all right. A couple had really been struggling in their marriage and decided to go to a marriage seminar. And while they were there, they learned that a healthy marriage was all about loving and being kind to each other. And that would probably help some people I know a whole lot if they just learned to be kind to one another, right? The wife's birthday was the next day, so the man asked his wife what she'd like for her birthday, and she said, I'd love to be six again. And he said, okay. On the morning of her birthday, which was the next morning, he got her up bright and early, and off they went to a local amusement park, and what a day it was. He put her on every ride in the park, the death slide, the screaming loop, the wall of fear, you name it, everything that existed in that park, they rode. Five hours later, she staggered out of the theme park, her face pale, her hair disheveled, her stomach doing somersaults. And you know what he did? He took her right to McDonald's and ordered her a Big Mac along with extra fries and a refreshing chocolate shake. And then it was off to a movie, the latest chick flick, girly movie. And they had hot dogs and popcorn and Pepsi-Cola and Sour Punch candy. You know, everything a six-year-old would want. What a fabulous adventure. And finally, having turned an unusual shade of green, she wobbled home with her husband and collapsed into bed. And he leaned over her and lovingly asked, remembering what he had been taught in the marriage seminar the day before. Well, dear, what was it like being six again? And his wife slowly opened one eye, looked at him and groaned and said, I appreciate all you have been trying to do. But when I said be six again, I meant my dress size, you big dummy. (laughs) 
I'm not going to ask how many might relate to that. What I'm teaching today begins with, as does all that I teach upon, a a certain foundational premise that I'm going to tell you and admit open front that I embrace. That premise is this. I believe this world was created to operate upon principles that God programmed into it from the very beginning. And that's not just the spiritual dimension, that's the physical dimension as well. We always talk about the laws of thermodynamics and gravity and those laws that have to do with nature. Not nearly as many people go to school and learn about the laws of the spiritual dimension, yet they are there too. Hebrews 1 and 3, the latter clause says, upholding all things by the word of his power. The Amplified Bible, which digs into the Greek a little more, says upholding and maintaining and propelling all all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe by his powerful word, carrying the universe along to its predetermined goal. There are laws that apply to this physical realm. There are laws that apply to the spiritual dimension. We accept those that apply in the spirit, in the, in the physical rather. In a medical research laboratory, the molecular biologist who is conducting an experiment can be either a Christian or an atheist and it will not affect the outcome of the experiment. A test by a nuclear physicist will come to the same findings and conclusion if it's conducted properly, regardless of whether this physicist is a believer or non-believer. Things like gravity, the laws of thermodynamics, they work for everyone whether you're saved or unsaved. But have you ever considered that the same thing is true with the laws of the spiritual realm? This is extremely important because of this one fact. In this world, every single one of us are limited. That's why there's this fascination with these Marvel comic books that are being turned into movies and everything from Captain America to, uh, you know, Superman and everything in between because we all wish that we had superpowers when we know that we don't. We are limited. We can only go so far. All to be sure, some may have more talent than I do and more giftings, innate giftings. They may have more abilities than I possess. Naturally, they may sing better. They may do any number of other things better than I can And if you're like me, at a certain point in my life before I learned this principle, I thought that because they had a little bit more of an edge in certain areas that gave them, are you listening? A more sure lock on success than I had. Surely they're going to get further down the road than I will. This principle that I'm sharing with you makes up for what is not there in your life. It makes up for what you're lacking in. You may not, as I said, have the right connections like someone else might have. You may not have been privileged to go to the right school like someone else was able to go to because of their good fortune. But what you need to know is that with God, all things are possible. And that you can surpass your expectations for your own life. If you connect with God, and that is not an overstatement. I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying. 
Doesn't matter about your upbringing or how broken your family was. If you connect with God, you can exceed and surpass what would have been the likely projection for your life to follow. Amen. Amen. The truth is that no matter how much you have going for you, it's just a matter of degrees if you really want to be serious because, I mean, you may have, as I said, a few things more going for you than I do, but would you put God into the mix with me? All of a sudden, as far as your, your human abilities can carry you, God will carry me so much further than that. And you as well. This is what he said. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, he tells Paul, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So where you are weak, I want you to know he is very, very strong. Amen. The secret here is being able to tap into the resources that are available for you beyond the sphere of your own limitations. And to be able to avail yourselves of those, you've got to get into the right position. We've been using as our text Acts chapter 2 verse 42 and they continue steadfastly. Everybody say, in prayers. Say it again, in in prayers. How did they continue? Say it steadfastly. We've also been using Second Chronicles 20 and 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not fear or be dismayed. This is an astonishing passage because every one of us love what precedes these verses where the Bible says the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And we all love that part where it says, stand still and see the salvation of God. But how many of us have overlooked time and again those two words, position yourselves, that are between these two assurances? I want us to pray. Father, would you speak to us right now? Open your word to our understanding. And God forever cause our hearts and lives to be impacted. And the way that that happens, as we already know, is not out of emotion, but it's out of a reprogramming of our thinking. So today, I give you freedom, Lord, to go through my thoughts and what I perceive to be the values in life that matter to me. And you just walk right through them and rearrange what needs to be rearranged. And I ask that you would do it for every one of us, that we can be programmed anew with a vital strength and truth that's in the word of God. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Prayer is an incredible tool that can position you for unbelievable things to happen in your life. There are many things that can do that. As I've already said, getting a good education, a degree from the right school, learning a second language can open doors for you that would never open otherwise. Having the right connections to people can dramatically improve your life by enabling possibilities you wouldn't have ordinarily, ordinarily uh, made ac accessible to you. We watched recently, just in a 30-day prayer, I felt to call us to 30 days of prayer and fasting. We were going to do that at the end of August as our kids were going back to school. And then this, this monster called Harvey blew in here. And that kind of messed everything up. And we were trying to pull our lives back together. And people were digging out from underneath the rubble. So 
We just recently finished what I was going to do at that time, and that was 30 days across the, the board, the whole church praying and fasting. It was remarkable what happened. We finished on a Wednesday, and on Thursday, I'll show you how God works. This building that we're in, that they said would, that would take two years for us to sell at least, the Thursday after the Wednesday, the next day after we finished prayer and fasting, somebody called and said, we want to buy the building and we'll bring a contract if you'll let us. It is amazing what happens when you position yourself by praying. However, I want to read another passage of scripture to you that is very, very important. Matthew 20, verse 20 through 23. And I want to show you that prayer alone might not be enough. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down with her sons. You know who those were? James and John. And asking something from him, that is Jesus. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with a baptism that I am baptized with? And they said, the two boys, to him, we are able. You should know this created a huge fight among the disciples about who was the greatest. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with a baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. It is clear from reading this passage that Zebedee's wife, the mother of James and John, did understand the power of positioning. And a casual reading of our text might easily overlook what's actually going on here. Now, I want you to use your imagination with me. And I want to ask you, what is prayer? What is prayer? According to the dictionary, prayer is communication with deity. Now walk with me through this. Who do you pray to when you pray? You ever call Jesus? This man that is standing there before them is not just a man. He is God come to earth in human form. Emmanuel, God with us, to wit God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Have I been such a long time with you that you do not even know who I am? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was the physical manifestation of the mighty God. Amen. God in an earth suit, if you please, wrapped in humanity. So when she comes to him, if prayer by definition is communication with deity, you might would say that she's praying. Because I, when I pray, I certainly pray to, to Jesus. I certainly will call on his name. But she is going to be denied her request, and so will these boys. The reason then is not for a lack of asking. Hmm. Because we've been taught in church that if you ask, you receive. That is true. But that principle extract, extracted from the Bible, used in isolation without an understanding of the other things and that you must do around it, can be misleading. I, I need somebody to say amen. You ask and you will receive, but there are a few other things that go along with that too. Amen. The problem here is also not a lack of faith. It is very clear that she was a believer. 
She believed Jesus was coming into his kingdom or she would not have taken the time to try to request in advance that he give positions to her two sons. If she didn't believe in the coming kingdom, this that we see unfolding before us in this story is absolutely a waste of time. She wanted her two sons to have prominent positions in the future kingdom that Jesus would establish. What is not clear is if she understood that it was a spiritual kingdom. Based upon the question at this time when they did not really know who he was and they thought he was just rabbi or master or mentor, it's highly unlikely that she realized it was a spiritual kingdom. And she's shooting for a position in the natural. Nor is her problem a lack of ambition or desire. She had both. Of course, most of us, when we say the word ambition, we, because of our experiences with other people who have walked over us, or we've seen them walk over somebody, all in the name of ambition, most of us have come to believe that ambition is not a good thing. Did you know that ambition is not in it of itself wrong? The word itself doesn't represent something that is inherently good or bad. The dictionary actually defines the word ambition, listen, this is right out of the dictionary, as a cherished desire or a strong drive for success. Amen. As a pastor, and certainly nobody in this church, I've never found anybody here like that, but I have met people I wish they did have a little more ambition. You might know somebody in your family that resembles that remark. Amen. In fact, in the story of the talents that Jesus says the master distributed among the three servants, the only servant that was rebuked was the one that had no ambition, who went and dug a hole, wrapped the talent in a napkin, and hid it from everybody else. A talent was a a certain weight of silver. And uh, Jesus rebuked that man for not having the ambition to put that silver, that money he gave him out to investors that he could earn a return. Ambition can be a good thing. Without ambition, Henry Ford wouldn't have invented the automobile and the Wright brothers never would have attempted flight in grocery stores and shopping malls. Oh, heaven forbid at Christmas time. Would not even exist. There wouldn't be a Galleria, perish the thought. Or a TJ Maxx. I know some of you ladies are about to have heart failure right now. Without ambition, Michelangelo would never have created a Mona Lisa and the Astros wouldn't have won the World Series either. Rod, you left just a little bit too soon, son. Amen. You don't possess some measure of ambition. You wouldn't care whether you got out of bed or not. Go to work in the morning. Even if it's just the ambition to provide a good living for your family. Without ambition, I wouldn't have a microphone to speak over because no one would have invented one. It wouldn't be a sound system. I wouldn't have an iPad. I wouldn't have my notes here with me today on an iPad. Ambition that is motivated by godly desire is actually a very good thing. Did you know that God created you with ambition? He had plans for your life. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts that I have and think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God has plans for our lives. 
This woman prayed. She believed. She had ambition, but she was still turned down. I don't want this to be a shock to you. But sometimes prayer and faith alone are not enough for you to get to the next level. Or to change your situation. I'm teaching you something that I think is really important. Neither is ambition itself enough to move God. God honors all these things. He responds to prayer. He responds to faith. He responds to desire. But these things by themselves are not enough. Amen. They're not enough. The mother of James and John believed. She had ambition. She approached Jesus and asked. We don't know if the ambition was fueled by the right kind of passion or not. But here is the problem with what is going on. There is not one thing said in this story to demonstrate that she and her sons were willing to work for the position that she was seeking. And right away, somebody said, oh no, you're not going to bring that ugly word works into church, are you? This is faith. It's not about works. When I say works, I want you to understand you can never in a million years earn the goodness of God in your life. I'm not talking about that kind of works. And I'll do this, God, because I'm going to merit your favor in goodness. You're going to be trying a long time if that's your approach. Because on your best day, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. What she was doing was playing upon the political connection. The relationship. Look, Jesus, we're friends, you know. You're not friends with everybody out here, but we're friends. My two boys have left their, their future vocation, and left my husband with his boats. We had plans on expanding that, that fishing fleet. And now my two sons have left, and they're with you. These are your friends, Jesus. You, you guys are close, man. You go everywhere together. You eat from the same pot. You sleep on the same ground beside one another. You walk to the next city together. And so what I'm doing now is I'm asking this as a favor based upon our relationship with you. She never says a word about my boys are going to work hard, be dedicated, learn all the principles you're teaching, and then they're going to go and teach them themselves. No, she doesn't say they're going to embrace your vision. They're going to be loyal. She doesn't say any of those things. She just says, we're your friends, so give us the position. And that was very common in that day, and unfortunately, still is to a great extent in ours as well. Cronyism. It's not who deserves the position, it's who you're connected to. Oftentimes, a post that needs to be filled or a job is given to someone because of their relationship. Not because the person getting the appointment is qualified. And as a company, you need to know that that practice will ensure the demise of your company somewhere down the road. Because if you're not staffing to excellence and you're only filling a position because brother-in-law needs a job. And he hadn't held the last 29 that he was given either. And he's not going to hold this one. You don't need to go into that thinking your company is going to be turned around by hiring brother-in-law. 
is just not going to happen. Cronyism is defined as using your relationships to give someone an unfair advantage even though they are not qualified. And that's exactly what this lady was asking Jesus to do. Amen. Under their system of government in that day, that was extraordinarily common. It's very common in the so-called developing world to this day. And unfortunately, more common in our lives in this country than we want to really believe. You see, it's all about who you know. And rather you're connected to the right people so you can coast to success in their slipstream, right? Hook onto their bumper and as they're moving straight ahead toward a magnificent future, you just kind of go along for the ride and get rewarded as well. Doesn't matter if you're educated or not. Doesn't matter if you know one thing about the business or not. None of that's important. You're connected. You say, that's not right. I agree. She and her sons wanted the benefits without the commitment. They wanted the privileges without the price. They wanted the position without first getting into the position. In other words, they wanted the promise without the premise required to meet the promise. And you say, that's horrible. Yeah, I agree. But isn't that the way many Christians approach God too? We're your sons and your daughters, Lord. We're connected. Not going to say I'm going to do everything you're asking me to do, but could I have the position? Could I have the blessing? Could I have the promise? Hello? Can I break this down now? Can I talk to you about this? You know, we just act like we can go do whatever we want while he's building his kingdom. Yeah. And let me point out to you There was a reason in all probability that she's asking Jesus for that right now. It's because he is in his year of opposition. There was the year of inauguration. He was ministered three years. Year of inauguration, that's when he appeared and began to minister. The year of popularity, he blew up big, man. Had huge crowds. And then there was the year of opposition. And that's the year before the cross. And she has sensed the political tide shifting. And she doesn't want to get caught in the crossfire here. I'm reading into this story. Maybe it wasn't exactly like this, but I can see it happening this way. And so she's bringing her two boys now because Jesus, when you get, notice that, when you come into your kingdom, not we're going to walk with you through all this. No, no. When you come into your kingdom, let one boy sit on the right hand and the other on the left. I kind of get the idea what she was saying was, if you'll give us the promise, we'll kind of slip on and get out of the way. And, you know, and you go build your kingdom and then we're going to show up once you get it built. And say, hey, remember that job you promised us? Uh-huh. That seems to be exactly what Christians often do. That instead of us walking with him and being committed to his principles. Hello? We want to show up when it's time for the blessing. When the table is set, okay, where's my place? Oh, right there beside Jesus on the right hand and on the left. Amen. Sometimes we don't pray. Sometimes we don't even go to church faithfully. Am I, am I right? I'm talking to people right now. Amen. 
Don't talk to me about tithing or supporting missions or loving people and giving to hurting. And Christmas time is all about me and my family and my kids. It's not about helping the disadvantaged. But we've got positions. We're sons and daughters. So we're entitled to the blessing. Oh, God, when you start pouring out blessings, here I am. Uh Uh-huh. Did you do what you needed to do to get in position? Well, not exactly, but I know you, Lord, and I'm connected to you, and I've been walking with you a long time, and am I, am, am I, am I helping anybody with this? There are several other important points that we need to make that seem to be obvious in this story. First, I want you to notice that there will never be a right time to do what you should do to get into the right position. Never will be. As I said, it's the year of opposition. And what it appears is that she's asking for the position so that they can, you know, get out of the fire for a little while and go hide. But don't worry, we're coming back because we got a position. As soon as all this is settled down, we're going to be right back, Jesus. We're not leaving you for good. We're just taking a little vacation. Holiday from the heat. Amen. I want you to know that if you're waiting for the heat to go away and everything to get just right, you're never ever going to get in the right position for God to really do what he wants to do in your life. She wanted the promise, but she and her boys were going to slip off through the crowd. You will never, never find a right time in life to do what you need to do right now. Never. That's an inviolable principle of life. Funds will always be too tight. There will always be too many bills to pay if you're writing, waiting for the right time to honor God by becoming a tither. It will always be that way. You'll always be too busy to pray if you're not praying right now. Amen. Your favorite team will always have a game on Sunday that will stand in the way of you going to church faithfully. There will always be opposition or a lack of support. And if you're waiting for smooth waters and clear water uh, skies and, and, and good sailing before you decide to do the right thing, guess what? There will always be storms of one kind or another. There will never be a right time for you to sit down and read the word of God. The phone will always be ringing. There will always be somebody contacting you on Facebook. There will always be somebody's photo or picture to look at on Instagram. It's just going to happen. Amen. Amen. It will always be raining outside or there won't be enough rain. It's going to be too hot or too cold. And, and you will, it will always be inconvenient for you. And you'll always be too busy. And you'll have too much on your plate. And something else will always be clamoring for your attention. And you're always going to be too tired or your schedule's going to be too full. You have no choice. You must prioritize and create the time to position yourself right now. I need somebody to say right now. When right now. Not tomorrow. Right now. You get started on it right now. I received a phone call just yesterday and I'm not making this up. From a young man in his middle 40s who said, I'm in my middle 40s. I'm going to go a step further. It's a relative, a nephew. And he said, I'm strung out, Pastor Hurd. Uncle Richard, I'm strung out on drugs. 
and my time is wasting away. And I'm in my middle 40s and I don't have a life. And it suddenly occurred to me if I don't do something right now, I won't have one ever. Boy, that's a wake up call. I said that's a wake up call, but it needs to happen to every one of us. You remember the man, the king that said, I'll call for you when I have a more convenient season, Paul. He never called for him again because there's never a convenient season to do what you need to do right now. If you need to go to school, you need to do it now. You're going to start the business, you've got to start it right now. If you're going to be a servant in the kingdom of God, you've got to do it right now. I don't care how much you have on your plate. The second thing that this story teaches us is that God's timing is different from ours. It's different. You shouldn't give up just because it doesn't happen right away. You know, they were saying Jesus was coming soon. That was 2,000 years ago. Behold, he comes quickly. Amen. 2,000 years. And God's eyes, that is quickly. And my eyes, that's about, about probably 30 lifetimes or so. Not so quickly from my perspective, but it's kind of like driving a car and looking out your window or riding in an airplane and looking out the window at the same ground. Looks a whole lot different from up there than it does from down here. Time always looks different from this earthbound perspective. Amen. Galatians 6 and 9, because I'm talking to some of you, you've been believing God for a while. Listen to what the writer said. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, I need somebody to say in due season. You've got a due season. You've got a date with your name on it. God has circled a date on the calendar. You don't know when it is. And it may not be when you think it ought to be. But if you'll hold on. In due season. You will reap if you do not lose heart. Amen. The third thing. That this passage teaches me. Is that your commitment to obey the primus will always be tested before the promise comes. Jesus turns to these two boys, looks at their mother and back at the two boys and says, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with a baptism that I am baptized with? And they said, we're able. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, Yeah, we, we can handle it. Throw the pitch, we're ready. Boy, they didn't have a clue. Amen. In this story, we see an unusual revelation because Jesus is here foretelling his own impending crucifixion and death. And that's what he's referring to. He had already been baptized by John. That's not what he's talking about when he says get baptized and when he says drink of the cup. He's talking about what is only days ahead. The test. Boy, was he ever tested. 
Amen. God gave him the promise that if you will go, I will give you the souls of humanity. If you will lay your life down, mankind can be redeemed. And Jesus embraced the promise. But he first had to commit to the premise. Because the premise was it's going to cost you your life. And was he tested, tested in Gethsemane, tested in the scourging, tested in Herod's judgment hall, tested in Pilate's judgment hall, tested on Golgotha, was he ever tested? And your commitment will always be tested before the release of your promise. I feel out a feeling I'm, I'm talking to somebody right now that's walking through a test. And you need to know that if you'll persevere, the promise is coming. It's coming. You are being tested, but the promise is on its way. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. And just because you haven't received the promise yet doesn't mean it isn't coming. The test usually comes just before the promise is released. You make a commitment to go to church. I promise you, when you decide to be faithful to the house of God, you're going to have every brother-in-law show up that you didn't even know was in the country on your doorstep on Sunday morning wanting to eat the leftovers of your your Thanksgiving turkey. And, And they're going to show up and test your commitment. It's always like that. You make a decision and a commitment to honor the word of God by reading his word. Your favorite program is going to come on. Amen. It's always like that. Your test always comes just before the release of the promise. And the test is all about how committed are you to keeping the premise. When you make a decision to tithe, I'm going to tell you right up front. You listening? Jesus teaches us about giving. The Old Testament taught us about giving. Paul taught us about giving. In the Old Testament, people often say, but that's an Old Testament verse. That's why I mentioned Jesus and Paul also taught about giving. Amen. Jesus actually used the word tithe. But listen, in the Old Testament... The Bible says in Malachi that if you give, God will rebuke the devourer. You can't rebuke a devourer that isn't there. I don't think you're hearing what I'm saying. There's a revelation in that verse. If you will give, God will rebuke the devourer. The point is when you decide to give, devourers show up. Hello, they do. You got this medical bill and this thing you got to deal with. And if you keep your commitment to honor God's promise, that if you give, he will open the windows of heaven. If you stay committed in the middle of the test, God's going to rebuke the devourer and God will cause heaven to open over your life and you will be blessed and will not even know how it happened. The story closes by giving us two amazing items of astonishingly good news. The first is that we're growing in the right direction. Notice what Jesus said to James and John. He said to them, you will indeed, these two brash boys. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, we're we're able. We We can drink of the cup and be baptized with your baptism. Jesus turns to these two brash young men and says, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with a baptism that I'm baptized with. 
because I'm going to let you boys in on a secret. You think I'm rabbi. You think I'm master. You think I'm mentor. You don't even know who I really am. I see what's going to happen before it is coming. And I want to tell you what I see about you two boys. All these integrity issues, you're going to work through them. Did you know that? You're leaning in the right direction. You're growing in the right direction. You're right now wanting the position without the premise. You're wanting the the post without the price. You're wanting the promise without the commitment. Hello. But I got news for you. You're going to work through these integrity issues of yours. And the integrity that's missing in you is going to someday be there. Because yes, you will drink the cup. You've asked for something and there's a day coming when you're going to walk right up to the table and say, slap her down. I'll drink the cup. Amen. And you're going to do it. You're going to meet the cost. You're going to, you're going to honor God. You're going to live by the principle. You're going to be baptized with a baptism that I'm baptized with. Amen. And if I could pray for anything for us here today, it would be this. That God, when you look at us, regardless of where we might be right now with our integrity issues and our problems and our weaknesses, please see me growing in the right direction, becoming more like you. Please see me growing in the right direction. I don't want tomorrow to find myself more distant than I am right now. I want to be walking toward God, not away from him. I want to be moving toward Christ's likeness, not in the opposite direction. See me growing in the right direction. And the second item of good news, and I close, is this. Matthew 20 and 33, but to sit on my right hand on the left is not mine to give, but it is for those to whom... It is prepared for whom it is prepared by my father. Jesus is saying, guys, I'm sorry. I I can't give this to you. This has already been prepared by God. But I've got something better for you than that. I have something far superior to what you're asking me for. You're wanting these little old positions with a chair sitting beside me on the right hand and on the left. But guess what? I've got something so much better than that. And I love this about God before I tell you what it is that he had for them. I love that when you commit yourself to obey God and keep his premises and the requirements that not only will he give you the promise, he will exceed your expectations. And that's where I started today. I don't care what your limitations are. Honor God because you plus God will go much further than you ever dream life could ever carry you. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. Because in Revelation 21 and 14, there's a city that John saw coming down out of heaven. Adorned like a bride for her husband. And guess what? It had 12 foundations. And on them were the names of the 12 apostles. 
You see, Jesus was saying, guys, you're worried about some little position. And right now it's not even clear if you think it's an earthly position or, or a spiritual one. And, and by all accounts, it was probably an earthly position. You're worried about a little chair to sit in and a title on your name. And if you could see what I got coming, once you, I know you, you're, you're moving in the right direction. You're working through these issues and you're going to someday drink of the cup. Yes, you will. You're going to pay the price and you know what's going to happen because you did. I'm looking ahead and there's a city that's going coming down from God out of heaven and your names are going to be written into the foundation of that celestial city. Oh, hear me when I tell you, I believe in another world. I believe in a city where streets are paved with gold and walls are made of jasper and the gates are made of pearl. I believe in a city where there is no death, there's no screaming siren in the middle of the night. I believe in a city where there's no M.D. Anderson and there's no cancer and there's no St. Luke's Heart Department, cardiology. I believe in a city where there are no wailing sirens, as I said, not just of ambulances, but of police cars. I believe in a city where you don't have to walk around with armed security and walk through metal detectors to be able to get into a place. I believe in a city where there's no separation and there's no pain, where there is no darkness because the lamb is the light of that city. I believe in a city where sin does not reign. I believe in a city where once again man is reunited with God. I believe in a city, hear what I'm talking about, where nobody's going to break your heart or walk all over you to get to their objective. I believe in a city. (laughs) Oh, Lord, you'll have to forgive me. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. I believe in a city where you'll never grow old. Do you hear what I'm talking about? Well, we don't have to conduct the funerals of little children. Where you don't have to worry where your next meal is coming from. And guess what, James? And John, you're asking for little rinky-dink positions. A chair sitting one on the right and the other on the left. But I see your names written. And the foundations of the city that's coming down from God out of heaven. You're going to get a whole lot more than you ask for. Because you drink the cup and you are baptized with the same baptism. I've got a lot more for you than you realized. And I love that about God because what we want for ourselves, he wants so much more than that for us. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think according to the power that works within us. He will not only meet, he will exceed your expectations if you will align yourself with the premises.
Make a commitment to go to church. Make a commitment to tithe. Make a commitment to pray. To read your Bible. To be kind to others. To work on the character issues. If you do, this is what Luke said. Jesus said this. Luke 6, 38. Amen. He will cause to be poured out to you. Good measure. <laughs> Pressed down. Shaken together. Because you met the primus, I'm going to start pouring. And when the basket's full, I'm going to get on it and I'm going to stomp it down. And I'm going to shake it to make sure all the air is out of it. And the, grand, the blessing is settled. And then I'm going to pour again until it's running over. And that's because I exceed your expectations. I, I will give you more than you are asking for. If you will just honor my word and position yourself. Amen. Life application points. Let's apply this to our personal lives in the last couple of minutes. Say our finances, our healing, our marriages, our revival, or any other circumstances and needs we may encounter. This is how it works. If you want to be blessed financially, position yourself by giving God your tithe and offerings faithfully. He has promised it. And then if you will do your part, he said, he would open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There will not be room enough to receive. Now you will notice that right now what I'm doing is something I seldom ever do. And that's talk about giving. Do you know that for the first number of years, Tony, our men's pastor sits right over there. And some of you were here also for the first several years. I did not talk about giving a period. There was a reason for that. It's because the former pastors had been involved in some situations regarding money that that many people felt were scandalous and less than demonstrating good integrity. And I came, it was 30 years ago, and I knew that if I talked about giving, they would make the connection. And that guy, that, those people talk money, this new one's talking about money, same, you know, thing all over again, same horse, different saddle, that kind of a deal. So I didn't talk about giving. I'm no longer worried about whether people tag me or not and I'll tell you what one day God came to me and said how do you expect me to bless my people if you don't teach them the principle that will allow blessing to come into their lives so unabashedly and unashamedly I stand up here today and tell you I am a giver I'm one of the top four givers of this church are you bragging you betcha hooray for me amen Hooray for me. I'm saying that without the slightest sense of pride or shame. Many of you make much more than I do. But whenever we started this building program, I made a decision. God, I'm going to give and give and give until it hurts. Amen. And I was teasing. My wife got upset at me because I, I, I made a, announced a figure that I was going to give. And I said, hmm, she kind of rolled her eyes. She said, I did not do that either. You better get up there and straighten that out. And so I am straightening it out right now. Amen. She was entirely supportive. I honestly don't know how we managed to do it, but I fulfilled my, my commitment. It was the supernatural favor of God. And I know a person after person in this building where the same thing happened. And by the way, I'm on a simple salary and many of you make more than I do. But I'm still one of the top four givers of this church. 
because I've learned you can't outgive God. Amen. If your family is in conflict, position yourself, sir. Become a priest to your family and to your home. Be a man of God. Stop leaving it up to Mrs. To do the prayers in the home, to lead by example, to be the one that's faithful to the house of God. You stand up and say, I'm the priest designed by God and put in this home and designated to fulfill the role of priest to my family. Amen. Same thing's true with healing. In the first service, Linda Miller was here, Linda and Mark Miller. And I close with their story. Linda was diagnosed with a, I can't even say the name. It was a horrific brain tumor that is one of the most deadly kind of brain tumors there is. And it was the size of a large lemon. Size of my fist. Large lemon. We've got a lemon tree in the backyard and it grows lemons that big. And they held no hope hardly at all for her. And her husband is an engineer, and engineers live in a world where two is plus two is four, and it is no more and no less. Turn to somebody and say, you have to look between the spaces to find God. Would you do that? Yes, sir. Sometimes between the spaces, you're going to find God show up, and two plus two is going to equal more than four. But in the world that engineers are trained and educated in, that just doesn't happen. And Mark has had projects with hundreds of millions of dollars under his administration and care. He had to make sure everything worked. And now he's given this diagnosis and he told me point blank. He said, Pastor, it scares me to death. Scares me to death. And he cried. I watched not only did Linda get healed of this brain tumor. But Mark's faith has grown until he is now a man of faith in his house. Praise God. He can believe God for just about anything now. Why? Because God showed up and did the impossible. If you want healing, call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint you with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if it has been sin that has caused the curse, God will forgive the sin and you will receive a miracle. I'm living living testimony about the goodness of God. When it comes to healing, you see me dancing around like I'm 16 years old again. Up here on this platform, after living 14 years with constant pain, all those surgeries and accidents I had, but God touched me. Let me tell you, get in the right position. And I don't care what two plus two equals when you were going to school. But God is between the spaces and two plus two with God in the middle can add up to a whole lot more. Hear what I'm talking about because there could be a miracle take place in this service this morning before we go home. Amen. 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 Position yourself. If you're stressed out, position yourself by disciplining your thoughts and go to Philippians 4. Whatsoever things are true, pure. Think on these things. Stop running that tape recording over and over again. All that negative stuff. I'm going to get cancer. I'm going to get cancer. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. My marriage is going to fall apart. My marriage is going to... Stop that. Position yourself. Then do what 
Zebedee's wife, the mother of James and John did. Then you pray. Then you ask. Then you believe. And then you'll receive. Stand with me, would you?